Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. It's great to have you with me. As I record this, and as probably as you listen, we are all grieving what's happening in the Ukraine. As everybody in the world knows, uh, Russia decided to invade Ukraine, surrounded it with troops, about 150,000 troops, and began to invade just a few days ago. Now there have been many deaths. Kiev has been shelled. Uh, there are disasters happening on the ground. The Russians are showing themselves to be vicious. The Ukrainians are showing themselves to be heroic. In fact, Russia has been thwarted in many of its efforts uh, in many of its incursions into the Ukraine. And now negotiations are underway. Uh, Volodymyr Zelensky has shown himself to be a Churchill in this hour. And many of us are inspired by the heroism we're seeing uh, in Ukraine and amongst the Ukrainian people. Now, I want to t give you a little bit of the background of what is going on here. And I, I want to start by saying that I write and teach a great deal about the religious side of history. And I don't just do this because I'm a Christian, and I don't just do this because it's a field of study. I do it because I believe that religion is often the unrecognized influence in world events. Religion and spirituality are often there, shaping events, shaping minds, shaping hearts, and they shape uh, events that people don't even recognize their role in. And that is certainly what is happening today in the Ukraine. There's a religious and spiritual side of what is taking place uh, that I want to make sure that you know so that you understand fully what's taking place, so that you understand that this will not be the only Russian incursion into the Ukraine, and you understand what's going on. And let me begin by saying we often treat tyrannical figures in history as though they're just crazy. This is often the way the Western press talks. Saddam Hussein is just nuts. He's just crazy. Uh, Vladimir Putin is just is just a madman, and we, we speak that way of these people. Now, they may, in fact, have mental problems for all I know, but usually we are calling them mad because we don't understand them. We don't understand what they're doing. We don't understand why they're engaging in the actions they're engaging in. And right now, this is the way the Western press is talking about Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia. He's a madman. He's a crazy man. Well, I'm certainly no defender of Putin. I got to tell you, my whole life has been uh, oriented uh, against the dark side of Russian history. My father was a U.S. Army officer. Uh, he was a Russian linguist. Um, he fought against uh, he fought against Russia during the entire Cold War. I've told you many times before we were stationed in Berlin. He was the G2, the senior Army intelligence officer at that time. Um, we were we were oriented against Russia. We were oriented against the East. I remember as a teenager going to the Berlin Wall, looking into the East, seeing its just its desolation, just the bleakness, even though I wasn't a, a, a religious or spiritual person at the time, I was, certainly wasn't a Christian. I could just feel the darkness on the other side of the wall. So my whole life's been turned that way. I was in Russia just as soon as the wall came down, uh, went and, and did seminars and spoke and taught in the Ukraine. Um, 
love that part of the world, love the people, love the poetry of their soul. I even, I even love Russian banyas, their saunas. I love it all. Um, but I despise their horrible politics and government, despise it, as many Russians do, by the way. They've had horrible uh, government for the last 300 years. Now, all what I'm trying to say is that what we tend to do because we don't understand events is that we simply call the person at the helm of these tyrannical movements madmen. And what that does is it excuses us from having to understand what they actually are about. And I want to suggest to you that uh, Vladimir Putin is about a certain thing. And by the way, it has a lot to do with religion. I'm not saying it's exclusively about religion. I'm also not saying he's right. I'm just saying that we don't understand him if we don't understand the religious side of Vladimir Putin. Now, Vladimir Putin was raised in, the ho- in a home with an atheist father and a deeply Christian mother. She had him baptized, which for men of his age, uh, children of his age, was was. 50-50, no, no, no guarantee that you were going to do that. Um, and he still carries with him the cross he was given at his baptism. He thinks about it a great deal. He considers himself a Christian. He considers himself a loyal son of the Russian Orthodox Church. Now, I'm not saying that he's committed to the person of Jesus. I'm certainly not saying he's a Christian by my definition or in any way born again. But he is committed to Christianity broadly defined. He is committed to the Russian Orthodox Church, which he probably sees mainly as a feature in his dreams for a Russian empire. Vladimir Putin believes the loss of the Soviet Union was one of the great tragedies of history. He wants to see a renewed Russian empire, and he believes that an important part of that uh, is reclaiming the strength and the glory of the Orthodox Church and reclaiming one of the fountains of Russian spirituality. And you know where that is? It's in the Ukraine. So let me give you a little bit of background history here as to why Vladimir Putin would consider the Ukraine a font of spirituality for the nation of Russia. In fact, he actually uses the phrase spiritual space and says that Russia and the Ukraine are of the same spiritual space. That's his phrase. And you can easily Google that, by the way, and you'll find it in his speeches that he makes all the time. Well, the reason he thinks that way, in order for us to understand it, we have to go back to the year 988 AD. In 988 AD, uh, Christianity had moved a bit from Rome, with Rome as its main capital, and there was also a Christian center, a Christian, uh, I would call it even a civilization, called Byzantium, and its capital city was Constantinople. Today we call that Istanbul. Well, in Constantinople, there was a big, beautiful cathedral called Hagia Sophia, Church of Holy Wisdom. It's still there to the to this day, although now uh, under Erdogan, the crazy man who rules, I know I just violated my own principle, <laughs> but Erdogan is a little nuts, uh, who rules Turkey. Uh, it is now a mosque. But in 988, it was a cathedral of Christian worship. And for reasons I won't develop too much, Prince Vladimir in the land of Rus, Kievan Rus, now this would have been in what is now the Ukraine, decided to send emissaries to Constantinople to investigate the Christianity of that city, the Christianity of Byzantium. 
And these emissaries went to the Christian worship at Hagia Sophia, again, a building you can visit today in Istanbul. When they returned to report to Prince Vladimir in Kievan Rus, the land of Rus, R-U-S, they said, while we were there, we did not know whether we were in heaven or on earth. So glorious was the worship in that place. Well, in a massive and historic move, Prince Vladimir converted his entire nation, the land of Rus, to Christianity. In fact, they had mass baptisms at the time, which are well known uh, in that part of the world, well known in Russia. Well, this move to Christianity, this acceptance of Byzantine Christianity flourished and grew and thrived in that land and influence the broader of what we now call Russia, not just Kievan Rus, which is obviously near the, what we, what we now speak of as Kiev or Kiev is the better way to say it. Ukrainians would say Kiev, and that's why we honor them by saying that Kiev is the Russian way to say it. But not only did Christianity flourish in the ancient land of Rus, what is now the Ukraine, but it poured into what we now think of as Russia proper. So the font of Russian Christianity was in the Ukraine. All right, this is very, very important for us to understand. In fact, and, and, and I think that this had deep roots. I think this was of impact. This is not just the way Vladimir Putin thinks. This, is, this was of impact. During the Soviet years, during the 70 years of the Soviet Union, 90% of the Pentecostals in the entire Soviet Union, now think about how big the Soviet Union was, it covered seven time zones, as Russia does today, seven time zones. But 90% of its Pentecostals were in Ukraine. When I went into the Ukraine shortly after the, the, the Soviet Union dissolved and the walls came down in Berlin and so on, I'm telling you, it was, it was unbelievable. I had traveled extensively in Russia as well as in, in Ukraine, and it, the feel was different. The people were different. Spirituality was different. I was doing seminars on Christianity for massive crowds. It was, it was really amazing. And the feel was very different than in Russia, Moscow, St. Petersburg, these other places where I spoke. So all of this to say, there's definitely a, a different feel there. When you combine that with the natural resources, the Ukraine was the breadbasket of, of the Soviet Union. It's got unbelievably fertile land. And given, by the way, that the temperature is so moderate, they actually can have two harvests. They can do two wheat harvests a year because the soil is so rich and uh, the temperature is so warm. And also their ports, as I've said in earlier podcasts, very deep warm water ports. So they can have massive ships. They can bring in submarines, very deep warm water ports, which of course the R Russians have sought almost their whole history. Now, all of this to say, I'm not saying he's right about this, but Vladimir Putin intends to restore the Russian empire. And he's enough of a religiously aware man, learned enough of religion from his mother, is enough devoted to the Russian Orthodox Church, and recognizes the value of spiritual forces to some degree, even though he's a, a bloody tyrant with, with most of his leadership. He believes that in order for the Russian Empire to be restored, he's got to have the Ukraine, the ancient land of Rus, reunited in this, quote, spiritual space, unquote, that the Ukraine and Russia are together. Now, 
I'm certainly not sitting here as an apologist for Vladimir Putin. I'm certainly not saying that he is invading the Ukraine as I speak, uh, largely for religious purposes or because he's a Christian. That you, you know that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we're foolish to think of people like Vladimir Putin just as madmen, just as crazy men, just as, just as demonized people if we believe in demons or people who are mentally ill. They wouldn't have gotten where they got. They wouldn't have consolidated the power they've consolidated if they were just nuts. Saddam Hussein wasn't. Stalin wasn't. Lenin wasn't. I could go on and on and on. So what we need to understand is that mixed into Vladimir Putin's dreams of power is a, a recognition, an understanding, a perspective on spirituality. He considers himself a Christian. He considers himself uh, a champion of the Orthodox Church. He considers himself a modern advocate for the move to Christianity that occurred in 988 in the ancient land of Rus. And he believes that the Ukraine and Russia proper must be of the same spiritual space in order for the, for the empire of Russia to be restored, which is what he is about. And that's why he is doing much of what he's doing. Now, he absolutely has tyrannical uh, desires. He's absolutely about wealth. He's absolutely about currying favor with Russian oligarchs. He's asked absolutely about making himself wealthy. I mean, there are all those corrupt dictatorial kinds of motivations in him. But part of the backstory here, part of the backstory, and it's, it's absolutely present in his speeches and his thinking, part of the backstory is that Vladimir Putin considers himself a Christian, reuniting a Christian empire. And by the way, in his speeches, in his writings, it's very clear that he considers the West to be corrupt. He considers the West to be perverted. He considers to be a, a, the West to be a land, and I'm using his language, by, by the way, as it's translated from, from Russian, a land of queers, a land of gays, a land of perverts, a, a, a land of homosexuals, which, by the way, is almost just shy of being illegal in Russia, and homosexuals are absolutely persecuted in Russia. My point being that he believes he's on a bit of a crusade. Now, many of you will hear this and think, Mansfield, it's like you're trying to be an Christian apologist for this guy just because you're a Christian and you're, you're a student of, of the religious side of history. No, I'm no apologist for Vladimir Putin. I'm one step away from going to the Ukraine and picking up a weapon myself. I believe in the holy cause of the Ukrainian people. I am moved by Zelensky. I, I'm moved by the fact where Ukrainians are pouring in from Europe back into Ukraine to fight for their homeland. I'm moved by the fact that grandmas are making Molotov cocktails and that they've a farmer actually attached a, a Russian tank to his tractor and hauled it off into the field, basically stole the Russian tank. I mean, the stories coming out of that land are amazing and inspiring. And I, and I believe in their cause. And I believe that the Russian cause in this matter is evil, though the Russian people I don't consider to be evil. I have a great love for the Russian people. In fact, Russian was spoken in my home when I was growing up. My father was a Russian linguist, and we didn't ask for the passing of the milk. We would say, Molaka uh, Bjalsta. Uh, you know, we, we, we would say, we would not say thank you for passing the butter. We would say, Spasiba. We just, we just picked up my father's Russian in the home. I have a great love for Russian people, Russian literature, Russian film. But I'm saying that Vladimir Putin is trying to accomplish a religious vision in part. 
And this is behind the headlines we are reading. And this is why a merely negotiated settlement, this is why merely taking a few territories like Donbass, this is why uh, just, just having control of certain fringe territories or what we might call counties is not going to be enough for him. He's trying to reunite uh, a Russian empire that is one spiritual space with the Ukraine. And I would suggest to you that when we ignore the religious side of history, we miss these motives. We negotiate aimlessly. We try to buy off tyrants with money and things they don't care that much about because they have other visions. Saddam Hussein was trying to fashion a neo-Babylonian empire. He was trying to be Nebuchadnezzar too. And if you didn't understand that, you didn't understand who he was. And Vladimir Putin is trying to restore a spiritual Russia, which he considers the Ukraine to be essential to because of what happened in 988. We, we in the West may have a hard time thinking that way, but that's what's going on. So let's understand it. Let's conduct ourselves and our dip diplomatic work accordingly. Let's prepare ourselves for it. And let's stand with Ukraine during this desperate hour. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.